This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood. Our topic today, resolving client issues. Now, as media salespeople, we spend a lot of time developing, implementing, and then following a clear and repeatable sales process. We adjust, we refine, but for the most part, we know that a focused and disciplined approach to sales activities will generate results. Unfortunately, when it comes to the topic of resolving client issues, we typically don't have that same clear framework or playbook. In most cases, it's a completely unstructured, reactive approach, and it can really see the salesperson scrambling to calm an agitated client and just dealing with the stress, the loss of focus that comes along with it. As media salespeople, we should be doing everything in our power to mitigate, preempt, and proactively avoid client issues, but the reality is this. Despite our best intentions and efforts, client issues are an inevitability of what we do. Media salespeople who acknowledge this as a fact of life and focus on creating a clear and structured approach to how they resolve client issues are the ones who consistently rise to the top of the industry. As I've said many times, a good media salesperson is not someone who never makes mistakes, but rather someone who knows how to fix them swiftly and to the client and their own business's satisfaction. Our guest today, Datuk Jake Abdullah. Now, he's based in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Jake is the CEO of Pajama Media. He's a 20-year veteran of media marketing. He's held roles across uh, a CEO of a large international broadcaster, um, digital media marketing agencies. Um, he's held director and chairman roles on various industry boards, so a very seasoned media professional. I've included his bio and his LinkedIn in the show notes. Really looking forward to this one. The first five. Jake. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's really, really uh, unfortunate. I was due to be in Kuala Lumpur this time of the year for a, for a big conference, and I was hoping to meet you and do this podcast in person. Uh, but uh, obviously, this year hasn't planned out like anyone expected. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, You know your experience in the media world, which is extensive, and what it is that uh, I suppose you know, you've most recently been doing in the media space as well. Um, I mean, if I have to start in the beginning, I, I think my, my, I, I come from a, from a, my background was I was a club DJ and it was, it was really, uh, a, a funny way of getting into the, the radio industry at that period because my daughter was born and I walked into an interview and George Chapman, who was actually from Austereo, who was, who was consulting Astro at the time and I walked in and, and, uh, in a pair of shorts and he interviewed me and he, and, and he asked, and the question he asked me was, you came in in a pair of shorts. Um, you think you are underdressed? I said I thought this was radio, and I got the job. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the start of my career. But yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into. But uh, somehow, I, you know, I was like a fish in water. I, I came up very fast to the ranks from from a drive announcer to you know helming the uh, the company twenty years later as CEO. But um, you know, what I really like about the job is it allowed me to travel. So I also did set up uh, numerous uh, stations in Indonesia under the Mahaka Group, uh, like in, uh, in India, you know, Red FM, the, uh, some stations in Calcutta, and also on the board with the late Cameron Plant in India. So that's my that's my um, foray into into media. But 
As a CEO, I was not a traditional CEO because most CEOs uh, uh, finance have a very strong finance background, although I, I get it, but I came from a very content-led background. So this allowed me to actually meet with clients and make decisions where content directors, you know, the, the ongoing the ongoing struggle with content directors and sales directors is, you know, our sales directors go out and make the pitch and then come back and content directors push back and stuff. So I could go in and just close the deal immediately because I knew what would work or what wouldn't work. So... That was my strength and, and you know, and I, I I like to reinvent myself. So um, I guess in 2008, uh, no, last year, 2019, I said, you know what, what else can I do? I've been in 23, 23 years here. We've been number one for so long and I want to try something else. So I got into, uh, um, you know, fintech. Didn't like it and COVID came wrong timing. So now I'm just uh, heading a very small boutique agency called Pajama Media. Uh, we do, we do end to end, but very, very small clients. And I, and I prefer it that way. So a lot of creatives I, uh, I get involved with. So, uh, essentially that's it, you know, so I'm a content man who, who, who got into media and, and, you know, um, by some stroke of luck, you know, had a very good run, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting reflecting on your experience. It's, I mean, I certainly have, haven't risen to the levels of CEO, but I actually um, was a semi-professional musician, um, and that was my avenue into radio too, albeit the the commercial side. And I'm obviously now out of radio, but still in the media, the media sales industry. Media sales mastery. Given your experience, Jake, I mean, you've worked across all sides of the industry, you know, agency, publisher, and also industry bodies for the media industry. In your experience, is it fair to say that that there's no set framework in media for how we as media salespeople resolve client issues? I, I think I will, I, will, I will speak about the traditional sense first and then get back into where we are now. I think traditionally it was in this part of the world, it was very relationship-based. I remember in the early days that we had a lot of um, entertaining to do, taking the clients out and, you know, but I guess that was due to the lack of data at that time, you know. So, and these days where they are so, you know, and, and if you talk about, talk about traditional media per se, back then there was just TV, print, and radio, right? And now the avenues have mm. changed. And one thing that I, I, I see traditional media these days have, uh, or traditional media owners and salespeople have a hard time to, to persuade advertisers to get in because of the competition that, and, and also the pricing. So, I guess there is a, it's a two-prong uh, issue here. You know, um, I, I still am, am in touch with uh, some of my mates from Astro and the other, the other stations. And the, the problem is the pricing. But I guess the number one thing that media people or salespeople need to know is not make the sell, but provide the solution. I think that's what's lacking. You know, most of them are sending spots yeah. and send, selling, you know, but they're not providing. I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here, of course. They're not providing a very salient uh, solution for, for a problem. What is the problem that you're trying to fix? So I guess the relationship needs to start there. So this was what we did in, when we went astro and says, go and sit down and talk to the client. You need to be sitting down with them at the planning phase. So what are they trying to achieve? You know, um, you know, are they trying to, to sh- shave one percent of the market leader? Or that's the kind of questions we should be asking and think about that. More than often, it's not that they don't have the money. They need to spend the money. And, you know, due to some media planner who's sitting there and saying, you know what, I've, I've got X number of dollars and, and, and I need to put it across a plethora of things. But that's not the way. We have to think about where it's going to be essential and also to the big wins. So I guess 
there are, there are, you know, there's so many thoughts running in my head, but if I had to put it down to the pure uh, essentials for a sales manager to, to convince this, is to actually understand what does your client want? How are you going to solve the problem? That's lacking to me, you know. I've also sat on the other side of the table when I was at Faith and I had media people coming to me and, and they were talking to me about spot rates as opposed to what they can do for me. So I guess they need, you know, to understand a little bit more inti- uh, intimately of the, the problems and what they're bringing to the table. It's a fantastic answer. And what we're sort of looking to talk about today, which is going to be really interesting, is in your experience, you know, you were talking about that tension that exists between the content teams and the sales teams. And I think for a lot of media salespeople listening to this podcast, they go, what happens when the campaign doesn't deliver? What happens when some element of the campaign doesn't go to air correctly? What happens when we invoice the client in the wrong way? Um, you know, when, when we have a, a, an issue that is caused in the, in the implementation of a campaign, you know, how is it that we can actually, as media salespeople, very, very quickly isolate what that issue is and, and, and fix that issue? Um, you know, in your 20 years in radio, you said your benefit was you could sit down as a content, <laughs> a content specialist with a business owner and, and be able to kind of fix those problems. But, you know, for media salespeople selling across, TV, out of home, digital, radio, when a client issue happens, um, you know, what might be some of those issues that, that happen, Jake, in the implementation or the delivery of a campaign? Um, what are some of the most common ones? Depending on the client, like I, and I will admittedly say this, it happened numerous times across my watch also, because there's some clients who, you know, attack lines that are, need to be changed on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, because it's tactical. And, you know, and, and for some, you know, this, the, most of these uh, instances are human errors. And as a client, we have to understand, as, as a media owner, we also have to be very uh, diligent in ensuring the start-stop dates are put. But it does happen. When this happens, I think that as a media owner or as a content director or as a CEO or as a, any C-level, you should be the first one to, to actually report to the client and say, hey, this happened, you know what I mean? Um, um these are the steps that we're taking to fix it. You know, uh, I apologize, but most of the time, we usually, from my from from my side, what we tend to do is we tend to give some kind of compensation in the sense of free spots or stuff like that. But even then, if you keep doing the same thing to the client, it had happened to one of my clients, which was uh, Wonder Coffee, and a couple of times, this this uh, the the content, the music director for for one of the stations was did it twice in a week, and that was unacceptable. You know, so some form of some form of disciplinary action had to be taken. But how do you go and apologize to this, this guy? Say sorry, this guy's messed up. You know, and the whole purpose of the daily uh, tag uh, tagline change was strategic because they were out trying to shift market share from from the nearest competition. So I guess we you know we we can put all the layers of security, but the the critical thing is people need to understand that we are actually doing a service for our client. In other words, we have to be really vigilant, you know. That is the the key factor. The human error, you know, from time to time, even planes crash, and I hope they don't, but, you know, we have have to be very, very vigilant in in understanding that what we're trying to achieve. That's why I said, what are we trying to achieve for this this, uh, client, you know? So, 
And I sympathize with salespeople because they are at the front end and they have to do all these apologies and it's not going to happen again. And then it happens three days later. So, you know, I, I actually sympathize. And usually in this case, when I was CEO, I will actually front and I will go and do the apology and I'll say, this is not going to happen. And this is what we do, you know. Um, but other than that, I see very little that can be done, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, it's very um, admirable the way that you would approach that of getting on the front foot as a as that senior leader in the business and and really owning up to it with the client. I think that you're absolutely correct. We can put checks and balances in place, we can put process in place, but we're dealing with people. There are going to be times where issues occur despite our best intentions and best efforts. Let's talk about a bit of a framework. So let's say, Jake, a client has called a media salesperson and they've raised a major concern that their campaign is not delivering upon the expectations that were set and agreed. And maybe to compound this, like the example you gave before, there were two to three issues early on in the implementation of the campaign where maybe some wrong material ran and the go live date was missed by, say, 48 hours. You know, a typical issue that a media salesperson might pick up where they've got an irate client. What might be the first thing that a, that a seasoned media salesperson should do when they receive that call? I think they should listen first. They should, because most of the time, and I've been in the situation where the salesperson tends to automatically, you know, try to try to explain. But I think listening is a very, very, to me, underrated uh, strength. You have to listen, listen to them. What uh, what were the issues? Take it down. Just say, and buy a little bit of time. Just say. Give me about uh, half a day or, or four hours and we'll get back to you. We meet our lunch. Let's go through this. See, most of the time, empathy has got to come into play. But what happens is, because, and I'm not, and I'm not generalizing again, but I, I tend to, and I, and I work with very closely with the salespeople, and most of the time, they're very defensive, you know. They, they, they go on the defense very fast. I think we should stop and listen and, you know, just give me four hours, let's sit down, let's have lunch. I want to go through this. I want to ensure that this, you know. So I think empathy is a, is a you know, to me is, is very critical and listening, you know, as opposed to, be, you know, going on the defense here. It's a really good point. And, and you raised a good point around buying time because usually time is a large factor here. Um, usually the client wants a resolution, they want it immediately. And, and a salesperson often when met with a with an issue will want to resolve it quickly. How, how might a media salesperson manage a client's expectations around a timeline to get that issue resolved or at least a timeline to provide an update on where they're at? It should be done in the same day, you know, depending on what, what time. Because the reason I'm saying is buying, buying time is if the client's calling you up with that issue, he's obviously angry. If he's angry, he's obviously, you know, he's, he could be, you know what I mean, saying things out of anger and stuff like that. We have to let him cool down. We have to, you know, we have to just yeah. buy time. We have to uh, try to, you know, be settle this amicably as possible. And the, and the thing is, we have to understand it's our fault. It, it didn't work because it's our fault, you know. Because, again, like I said, I always believe we should over-deliver, you know, Instead of, you know, over-promising. Yeah. You know, so to me, is I always like to do that. I had a, I had a, I used to tell my sales guys, you got, you got some spots running on the weekend. Don't even tell the client, but give them free spots. You know, stuff like that. Mm. So, you know, because it is a perishable anyway, you know. So the client actually called me up and says, hey, I heard my ad playing on a, on, on a Saturday. He says, yeah, you know, I just thought, thought I'd do that for goodwill. You know, you've been a real good client. So that's to me is buying value. You know, 
It's a fantastic point. Yeah, they will remember this. So next time you have a bargaining chip, you know, but if you're going on the offense and, and most, most, most often leaders behave like that. You know, they always say that the, you know, the wolf on the going up the hill is hungrier than the one at the top. Most, and that's why I always tell my, used to tell my salespeople, do not behave as the leader, behave as the wolf going up the hill. You're hungry for this. So what would you do? Remember when you're third place, what would you do to get to first place? How do you actually approach this? But as leaders, most people tend to, you know, and I've, and I've been in this situation, oh, take it or leave it. And I'm like, why? Why do you even talk to a client like that? You forgot how hungry you used to be. So we have to mm. buy that, 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 you know, leverage because we're dealing with humans, you know. If they like you, they probably will relent a little bit. And that's what we are trying. We've made the mistake. We can't, we can't go back on that. So that time frame I'm talking about is actually asking them to relax. Two, three hours, you say, definitely, I'm going to get back to you. And you say, two, three hours, get, them to get, get back to them in 90 minutes. They say, you know, this is the things that we're going to do. Let's, let me explain how this happened. Use the right words, you know. So very great point you brought up also. To me, conflict resolution is very critical for, for media and, and salespeople, you know. How do you actually approach this? Absolutely. And, you know, what would be really interesting is that point you raised around constantly investing in value in the client so that you've got leverage or leverage is the wrong word. You've, you've made an emotional investment in that relationship so that, that if you do make a mistake, you've already built goodwill and they see that you've got the best intentions. You know, we do, we used to do this a lot without even telling the client, you know? Mm. And, you know, here's a scenario that I think would be interesting to explore, Jake. So what about if the client hasn't asked for a resolution? They've called up their irate, they say this is unacceptable and they just want a straight cancellation of the campaign. You know, how can we turn that around and potentially protect that revenue and that client relationship? To me, it depends on, on again, the, the magnitude of the error. Like it has happened a few times in, in on my watch also. Again, so I'm not going to say it's not. But there are, there are clients who are... One of the clients was one of the biggest telco operators and it was a launch of one of the iPhones and, you know... Unfortunately, the music director scheduled it a couple of hours earlier. So, of course, it is it is critical for them because they planned everything. It, you know, it, it to me it destroyed their whole strategy. So, and they wanted to pull off everything. So, I went mm. and met the CEO straight away. I says, uh, "Don't worry, we'll fix it, or give me some time." And I called up the CEO and I went and saw the CEO straight away. You know, this is unacceptable. You know, sometimes you 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 have to, you you have to take it. You know. You have to take one for the team and this is where the sea levels need to front because how, how, how is the media people, unless they've got a, you know, amazing relationship with, with, with the owner of the company or, you know, other than that, sometimes you just have to walk away and cut your losses. What can you do? You know, it has happened also. There was one major client who just walked away because, um, the sales guy overpromised a digital campaign that did not work, that didn't, didn't get enough, um, hits. And, and, and again, like I said, they overpromised. So walked away and I says, what can we do? We can't do anything about it. You know, it's our fault, you know? So to me, it's you don't lose, it's lesson learned. Let's not do this again. Well, that's right. It's taking the learnings from it and applying. And, you know, in terms of getting something resolved, you made a point around, you know, maybe a content director or a commercial scheduler or some internal department or stakeholder, you know, if, if something needs to be resolved, 
that's the error of one of the internal departments and it requires their support or sign-off. What's the best approach for engaging these internal stakeholders and what are some common issues that might arise you know, if this conversation isn't handled correctly by the salesperson? I do not think that there's, you know, to me, I've always been under the impression that the content director owns the station. So in, in instances like this, I do not even talk to, to uh, you know, the content, the, I mean, the, I usually speak to the group PD or something like that. Because again, like I said, it's good for them. They have built a relationship. You know, it's so daunting if somebody, the CEO comes, barks down there, you know what I mean? So usually I let the group PD or the PD handle it. But again, like I said, there's got to be some kind of KPIs built around this, you know. So we've got compliance KPIs. Back in the day when I was an astro, we had compliance KPIs. We've also had error KPIs, you know. So the content directors were, you know, when you, when you work your KPIs, and which is uh, embedded in your appraisals and your bonuses and stuff like that, usually you'd go try to go for 0%. Mm. These guys knew that if they messed up, they, they messed up, you know. This is, this again, like I said, like I... I, I make a, a, what do you call it, a comparison. Like I told the morning guys when they were doing breakfast, I said, if you're in at 6.01, you're late. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's non-negotiable. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know. If you make a mistake, it's, it's a mistake. It, it should never happen. What about if the client issue is, is or the mistake is a result of an error on their behalf? Um, so it's not it's not our issue. It's actually the issue of the client. Maybe they've missed a deadline or they've done something to cause this issue. How would you recommend a media salesperson handle that conversation without it, you know, like you said earlier, descending into an argument or the salesperson coming across as being defensive or argumentative? I think that um, very good question. Very good question. Uh, and, and, and fantastic because these are all real things that I've experienced. And yeah, I think we, you know, most salespeople should ask the question first, what happened, you know? It's, it's, you know? I think we need empathy to me. Is, I've learned this in the last seven, eight years. And I think when we ask the question, we get a better answer as opposed to going straight on the attack. It says, what happened, you know? And, and usually we tend to ask the question and you get a better response because we must understand this is going to be a repeat customer, you know? This was not done intentionally. You know, there was somebody down the line on his team that could have made a mistake, you know. So I guess we could point it out. We could, you know, says, how, how do we, how do we work with you to ensure that this doesn't happen again? Is, do you need a reminder? We can work things like that because radio people and media people must understand that they are losing sort of a, the share of the pie, you know, a lot of it's going to digital, a lot of it's going animated, a lot of it's going programmatic. And I'm sure you know, agree with me on this, Jamie, and, and more, more of this money is going programmatic, right? So I guess the advantage we have is we're dealing with real human people and we have the ability to negotiate. Again, that's very underrated, to negotiate, to be able to, you know, how can we help you? We tend to sort of attack before even asking. I guess, like I said, coming back to what I said, uh, understanding what happened, what did actually happen, you know? Mm. And that person could have had a bad day. You never know. I actually went through this. One of my staff's mother passed away and, and she messed up the logs and, and the content manager walked in and started shouting and then she says, my, my mom passed away yesterday. And I said, oh God, you know what I mean? So again, we, we don't know what happened to that person's life. They're only human. You raise a really good point there, Jake, around relationships, um, around the ability to negotiate that human interaction because giving amazing service and being solution-focused is a non-negotiable. And you're right, there's so much more competition 
selling media right now. There's so many more platforms. There's so much more choice. There are absolutely programmatic options. For a media salesperson who is selling at the moment and, and is, you know, their career is selling media, what do you think are going to be the most important skills and what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that they might face in the next five to 10 years? I don't think that we can go so far as five years. I think it's like, you know, I've got a problem with even the next three years. Uh, I think data is going to be very critical. Yeah. I think understanding data is is is, is a non-negotiable, uh, I think, quality or, or, or value that we need to give to the client. Because, you know, these days they're asking, what's ROI? What's, what's my ROI on this? You know, and data yeah. has become pivotal. So... You know, back in the day, you can run an ad on on radio, and yeah, because of the limitations of of, of uh, other media forms, yeah, potentially you'll get more hits and more people listening, and of course, the repetition worked. You know, so these days with digital media, you know, you see stalking. You know, you go to Booking dot com immediately. You know, everywhere you open is some Bali that you wanted to go, and it's and and uh, the chances of you actually purchasing it is about thirty five to forty percent. So that's very very strong. So I think what needs to happen is traditional media, which they're already doing, needs to invest heavily in also spending some of their money into programmatic. That means if I, assuming you are um, Apple and you want to advertise on Hits FM, you spend money on, on this. So the, the media planner for, the, the, in other words, the radio media owners need to have a media planner to be able to plan for them how they're actually going to use this money apart from on air to be also buy into very good targeted uh, digital propositions for 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 you know the client. So right now, what's happening is most of these media people, if they are radio, they are very radio focused. The TV, they're TV focused. So I guess there's Astro has already merged most of this. So and they are very investing very heavily for salespeople to understand uh, digital platforms, digital stats, you know, um, and all the jargon that goes around with it. Because data is going to be pivotal. So to me, you know, I think they're going to be spending less and wanting more. So there's two things we can do. We can sit and cry about it. Oh, you know, back in the day we used to do this, back in the day we used to do this. But all we can say, you know what? We need to merge with some other uh, media also. We need to be able to merge with uh, out of homes, you know. So radio stations should be, yep. you know, merging with out of homes. Forget about TV, you know. I mean, terrestrial uh, TV is over and done with. Um, that's my opinion because no, nobody watches TV anymore. Um, in fact, pay TV, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, pay TV is on the slide also so badly because it's appointment setting. Nobody wants to see that, you know. So I guess, you know, out of homes, digital, uh, you know, programmatic, all this should be, should leverage because radio still has that local appeal. So I guess the content also needs to change to drag this in back again. We have to go back to where we were and become more local, you know, because the only reason, you know, I mean, Jamie, if you, if you go back like 30 years, uh, a top 10 made, and I questioned this with the content managers just a week ago, and I said, why are you all even running top 30s and top 40s and top 10s? Who cares? You know, who really cares, actually, you know? So you need to relook this in, you know, how do we do this? So I guess the content now needs to address everything around it. It cannot be isolated. That's the only way salespeople, will, if not, you're sending them to war with, with, with you know, to fight with people with Uzis with a with a knife, that's never going to work, 
you know so digital uh, data merging with other uh, media players strong media players you know relooking content we're still doing um, beat the bomb and and stuff like that and thinking you know it can't happen that that can't go on you know i questioned a, a content manager and i said you know why can't i you know schedule an hour for of music for a specific listener that means he's able to do it he says but how i said i don't know but you know if spotify can do this why can't a conventional radio station do it so i don't have the answer to it but again like i said customization is pivotal i completely agree i completely and it's it's so interesting i mean i spent 11 years in radio and um i agree because there's there's what we call sacred cows there's these these golden rules that were somewhat programmed for like the 90s that we weren't able to to do anything to work around like you know teasing the next hour um having a nine o'clock music feature <laughs> having your your uh you know your announcers do the same tactic over and over um acting on air with the content like like certain streaming services just don't exist like there was a lot of that that was happening and look i think you know the company, the company, it's particularly the one I used to work for, is a lot more forward-thinking and progressive, and has really innovated in that audio space and broader digital space. But it's a it's a really good call out because you, being a CEO, I think mo- or, you know formerly of, of Astro, you would have always had to look to the future as to where are the audiences going, where are the trends, you know, where is the market going. And I think for a person selling media in this day and age, and the reason I created this podcast, Jake, is because it's very confusing and difficult to navigate. And there's no assurance that what you're doing this year that's leading to success is going to give you success next year or in three years' time. Totally. You know, like I, even I questioned, uh, you know, a, a three-year three year plan and stuff like that because, again, COVID threw, threw everything out the window. So, again, like I asked, if people are not driving, what are they doing? Are they listening to radio? So, you you just you shot yourself in the foot by, by you know, I asked these guys, they said, by saying, you know, so your drive time listening is gone and you're, and like you said, it you know, you're still doing, uh, coming up the next quarter hour, in the next 15 minutes, you have this. That means nobody actually cares. So, you know, and, and the word you use is absolutely right. You know, this we, we are protecting the sacred cow. But, you know, do we yeah. need it anymore? We don't. So how do we relook this? How do we make radio sexy again? How do we make it exciting again? You know, so I think in, in you're going back to where we were. It's like good personalities, good local personalities, telling great stories, you know. Music has become secondary. You got to play the best music, but it's secondary because I can get music anywhere I want. You know, not back in the day where you had to wait for your favorite song, put a tape cassette in and record it. And you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, so these days it's available. Yep. So how do we beat that? The only way to beat that is staying relevant. Like you can have an incredible conversation with somebody for one hour and it just flew away, you know. So these rules about, you know, you're going to need to do it in 12 seconds and get out and, you know, use the, it's all gone. I agree. I agree. And, you know, the one the one thing I would say, though, is, I definitely think there is something to be said for good curation of content because we have so much at our fingertips and people are self-curating their own content to the point where it's overwhelming. I mean, I think Netflix um, Netflix or one of the streaming services released data and it was really quite scary of how many people go onto the platform, spend about 20 minutes searching for a TV show to watch and then actually give up because they haven't been able to land on something. And, you know, it's it's almost like the paradox of choice, but... 
But, you know, I'm, I'm now, I've moved into out-of-home media, and it's interesting because that's arguably, you know, the most traditional form of media, yet I think in this market, it's the most innovative and forward-thinking, and it's really embraced data and digitization and understanding that you need to future-proof, you know, your business. But what's really critical for anyone selling media, be it print, digital, television, content, um, activation, whatever, radio, whatever... I always think is that deep understanding of human behavior and that deep understanding of, of how content or that media is consumed by the audience and, and you know, your experience as a content, you know, a content um, aligned CEO, which is very unique for the industry, um, I'm sure would have positioned you well for that too. But, you know, I, you brought up a very, very strong point there because it's to me is AI, you know, is the AI and the algorithms will, has, will, will continue to evolve you know what we're seeing in Netflix is just the beginning you know you're absolutely right you know I spent 20 minutes looking for something this is oh god you know this is bad and then rewind but what's going to happen is the AI and the algorithms will continue to improve you know what we're going to see in two years is going to be mind-boggling you know but radio has not done anything even close to that yeah yeah there's an opportunity here you know so either they change or they stand in the corner and says, you know what, we, you know, uh, uh, MTV didn't kill us. We're still going to be around till, till, you know, till the next Messiah comes. Then we can't do anything about it. But seriously, you must remember Gen Z. I have a daughter who's 15 who doesn't listen to radio. She's on YouTube music and, you know, so, uh, it's changing. Yep. Unless, unless you get into really good content, really good announcers, none of this, uh, you know, breakfast announces, we start with breakfast and end with this. I think every announcer has got to be, you know, as, as good as the rest, tell great stories, you know, and it's going to be more niche, you know, like, like media is becoming, it's going to be more niche, you know, it's going to be focusing on, on, as opposed to console, consolidation and everybody's voice tracking across uh, national and all that. It has to address the local needs. People need to know what's happening in their towns yeah. and cities and stuff. So it's going back to where we were, really. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, a very good call out there. And I agree. You know, one thing that's really interesting for the radio industry in particular is the amount of radio personalities that have now created podcasts that are very niche content around a passion of theirs. You know, they might do a podcast around movies or games or comic books or sport or comedy. So, so many radio announcers and radio talent are understanding that they need to play in that digital audio space. I mean, look at the podcast we're on, for example. You know, I created this podcast and my biggest concern when I created it was it was too niche because I'm targeting people who sell media within the first five years of their career. I mean, how much more specific can you get in terms of an audience? What's been fascinating 12 months in is that the more specialized the content and the episodes are, like the topic we're talking about today of resolving client issues, the more targeted and the more specific you get in the content, the more it organically attracts an audience of people who are seeking that out. So it's been a, a phenomenal learning exercise for me doing this podcast for, for no other reason than going, there's actually an appetite for more, for more niche content out there than people could even begin to comprehend. It's not about 
appealing to the masses anymore. I, I do agree with you. You know, I caught some of your podcasts and stuff that I, I do agree with you. It's quality, not quantity now. So people are willing to, you know, like like the Joe Rogan podcast, you know what I mean? So it's the same. It's, it's quality. It started off with that. Yeah. You know, and like when I was running a, a second company for Astro, we were doing, we were doing, um, you know, uh, influencers and stuff. That So we were, we almost worked with a Filipino company and, and that we, I realized like the top YouTube channel in Philippines is by uh, at that time an eight year old uh, girl who who was unboxing toys. Millions, huh? millions wow. of views. Yeah. So again, like I said, you know, here we are discussing about clock rotations and you know how many times the A has got to uh, play in an hour, the A one, A two. Let's break it down into this and that. But the mind of the list, you know what I mean, listener or viewer is. It's more simple yeah. than that. It's not complex. It's very simple. Are you are you attracted or you're not? And you just nailed it like that, you know. So yeah. again, like I said, are we generalizing or are we going into targets in Indonesia? They, they, there's, there's this podcast that speaks about ancient Indonesian, uh, what do you call it, ghosts and ghouls, and it's the number one thing there. Yeah. Wow. You know, all the taboo stuff, which is an opportunity for people to actually speak their mind. You know, I listen to David Goggins podcast and it's just fascinating when I'm driving, you know, I mean, it's just one hour of just listening to somebody talk. So it debunks the whole, you know what, DJs or announcers should speak for 12 seconds and get out on the intro. But the reason we ask him to do that is because they're not interesting, you know, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 they've they're 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 trying to appeal to the masses, and that's that's a great point. I mean, David Goggins has attracted a mass audience, but he's very specific in what he talks about. The other interesting call out there, though, is you know you talk about you know you've got a found hour now when you drive where you're consuming podcast content, and podcast advertising is absolutely you know a form of media that is saleable that that probably people who listen to this podcast sell. So it's this really interesting convergence of the new world and the and the traditional world um, in our audience. And I do want to serve the audience, and I want to bring this back to one final question because I'm mindful of your time and the next meeting you need to go to. I can't ask my sales manager that. The question that we got submitted from a listener, and um, she actually, Sarah actually knows, um, she knows of you. She follows you on LinkedIn. Um, so she's based in Australia, but... I think just through the content you've put out on LinkedIn and your profile in the industry, um, she did ask if she could uh, submit this question. So I'm going to read it to you, and then I was hoping you might be able to problem solve and give some advice on, as a CEO, how you might coach this individual to uh, to correct to to, sorry, to rectify the issue. So she says, I have a client who's constantly booking late and missing their material deadlines. Every time they do, we have issues with being able to get their campaign live or with all the inventory they looked to purchase. Each time we have those issues, they send irate emails and demand we do make good activity. My sales manager tells me that our deadlines are clear and we will not offer compensation. Every time I reinforce this with the client, she just says that they have business pressures and our competitors are swifter than us. I don't know how to fix this one. Any advice from Jake? Uh, What do you think initially reflecting on that one? Well, I think um, same issue here. One of again, like I said, one of the telco was at the eleventh hour sending stuff, material, and, and you know sometimes even a bit late. So I had schedulers working odd hours to get it. But here's the point: I don't think they're doing it intentionally. Number one, we can try talking. Number two, we can adjust our timing to fit them. That's that's it. But again, like I said, the fact that you know we have our rules. Again, like I said. One rule cannot apply to all clients. These are different people that we're talking about. 
You know, so I guess we have to sit and understand why they're doing it. If we really cannot shift it and we really want their money, then I guess we have to move our line in the sand. You know, how do we fix yeah. this? Do I get an intern sitting there to to schedule this because they're sending in late and wait? Because if, if that's going to, you know, uh, protect uh, revenue for me, then I'm doing it. You know, we have to stop being robots, I guess. And I understand this. And I come from a point where I was trained by Osterio. So the content those days was, you know, I used to throw salespeople out of my office, you know. But then over time, I realized <laughs> yeah. when I started, when I started meeting, you know, ask Guy Dobson this, he knows, you know. So, so there was a time when, you know, I started going out and meeting clients. I understand their, I understood their predicament. I understand that they, what they're trying to do. Sometimes they're not doing this on purpose. Yeah. It all depends on how important the, the the revenue is to you, you know. I don't think they're doing this on purpose just to unhinge you or irritate you, you know, Sarah. So I guess what they're trying to do is, you know, they they also are probably monitoring their client and seeing, you know, uh, last strategic, uh, you know, decisions based on what they're doing. You know, some some people do that, you know, like here we have two telcos fighting on the 11th hour about what somebody puts on. So I guess in circumstances like this, Get an intern, dude. You know, to do the last-minute scheduling. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal, a phenomenal answer, and I, I agree with you. I mean, there's this one's a bit ambiguous, and I, I would also add to your great point. It does sound to me like the sales manager is failing to actually identify the situation correctly. I mean, to sit there with these rigid rules and enforce them, it goes back to that point you made earlier around: Are you hungry or are you complacent in the leadership role? Um, so look, that's my assessment. Um, I don't know the manager <laughs> in question. Um, I'm sure they do a fine job, but I think that's what I would, would read from that is to go, look, it's about having a pragmatic conversation with the sales manager. If there's a true business need there, you need to find a way or you make a decision that you can't carry that revenue because it's putting too much undue pressure on everybody. But I don't think there's many sales managers or directors who are going to say no to revenue, particularly in this market. Jake, it's been great to talk to you. I mean, I've, you know, I've obviously been in the radio industry prior to this for a long time. So, you know, know of the great legacy you've built at Astro and just what you genuinely have contributed to the media industry. Um, I just want to always, at the end of these podcasts, just give the, the guest a chance to maybe impart one thought or one piece of wisdom to the listening audience, you know, that are looking to forge a career in media sales. Is there is there anything that you think you could kind of leave us with as a bit of a parting thought um, from this episode? If I had to give one piece of advice, I think we need to be human first. That's one thing I learned, you know, because we tend to put on our radio hat and we get lost in it. So when we put on our radio hat, our jargon changes. We speak radio terms, you know. I had to unchange the way I speak to become human. So whenever I, I I find myself speaking in terms like clocks and this and that, I realize that I'm speaking like a radio person only radio people understand. So I think be human, uh, listen more than more than anything. You know, I end with one very quick story that I that I learned from a very old man in 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 East Malaysia when I went to do and pitch for something. So he he told me the story. He said. He was pitching for, for a project in, in Sarawak, which is in East Malaysia, and there's only one place that sold this a particular kind of timber, and the owner was refusing to sell. So what this guy did was he actually did a bit of research on this owner, and he found out that this owner was actually like classic cars. So somehow he managed an interview uh, to 
you know, an appointment to meet them. And he walked into the meeting and he just spoke about cars. I heard you really like cars and this and that and this for about half an hour, never spoke about anything else. Towards the end of the meeting, this guy said, you came all the way. Did you come to speak? Because this, yeah, actually, I, uh, I'm having a small problem with this. I, I do not have supply for this timber. And the guy said, what, what, what kind of size do you need? And he gave him the specs and he says, we'll send it to you tomorrow. So I think that helped me a lot to understand that, look, you have to build the relationship first. You know, even in Sarah's situation, did the manager actually understand the situation? Did he, you know what I mean? So build relationships, do not sell spots, you know, sell solutions. Because spots are yeah. just spots sell solutions to real problems and that translates to any media you're selling um, it translates to out of home it translates to television um, and to digital media jake it's it's interesting that you um that you do mention to you know the uh the radio speak or the the internal jargon i think that's something that all media salespeople are guilty of is we all speak in our own internal secret language and acronyms and um and we fail to just speak from the perspective of of the people that we're actually trying to engage the audience um, because at the end of the day no matter what our medium what we're trying to do is engage an audience and influence behavior or attitude to help a client you know increase their brand perception or to to sell product or to create some sort of change so i love what you said there about bring it back to that human experience and speak in simple human terms um, phenomenal phenomenal insight there Thanks, thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Just, just my experience. I mean, all this, all this experience come with years and years of actually messing up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I'm going to put a link t- uh, to your LinkedIn in the show notes of this episode, and I'd encourage everybody in the audience to to follow Jake on LinkedIn. Um, I know that you're a, a passionate contributor to the industry, and you share some really insightful content. So, I just want to thank you once again for making the time. It was difficult to coordinate uh, Kuala Lumpur and Brisbane, but you know, in, in lieu of me being over there to interview you in person, I appreciate you working around. And I want to thank you on behalf of the audience and myself for making the time to be with us here today. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. And we'll definitely cross paths soon. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week.